It's really good to see each one of you. I'm so glad that you made this a priority. I'm so glad that you're able to come and be able to, to worship an amazing God. I'm not sure where you're at in life, where you are in your journey. I've connected with some of you this week. I've chatted with you, received some emails. I, I have a little bit idea of where some of you are at. But I just got to say, um, an opportunity to worship our God and to be able to trust Him in spite of our circumstances is an amazing gift. I'm not sure if you just sang those songs because they're songs. I'm not sure if you paused at times and saying, I don't know if I could sing that. I actually don't know even if I can trust you in this storm, God. It seems like you're screwing up. <laughs> and the message today, I'm singing those songs. And I'm just saying, Lord, Don't let me mess this up. It's Sunday. And we get to come together. An amazing time for God's family. And every Sunday we worship and we sing and we praise and we give. And we open his word. And and today's not going to be any different. We teach families to know and obey and enjoy Christ so they can be salt and light. But Peter's time is short when he's writing this letter. And he's so convinced we are exiles. We're on this little bit of a journey that in light of eternity... It's just days. And he's warning these these patriots that life is short. And at times life is going to be so very, very hard. So anticipate the next life. Don't put all your eggs in this basket. And the first century believers were trying to journey well. They were trying to figure that out. They were trying to know how to live here and how to anticipate the next life. And if we're honest, that's exactly what we're doing. We're trying to figure out how to do that. Okay, yeah, I, I'm, I'm here in this world, God. I still have bills. We have relationships. I have to go to work. I have responsibilities and chores. How do I do this? How do I keep focused on the future and and function well right here? Peter, after 30 years in the ministry, after spending some, well, the greatest 
training in the world, three years with Jesus. It doesn't get better than that. But he's been beat up. He's had some amazing things happen in his life. He saw God do amazing things. But he knows the road is hard. And so what Peter does is focus on God. He keeps hammering on God. He keeps looking at all the different characteristics of God. And that is what's getting Peter through. Because God is our friend, and God is our wise counselor, and God is the one that gives us strength, and God is the one who gives us perspective for this journey. Puts all of it together. But the first century Christians were puzzled. They were, they were even troubled by their suffering in the name of Jesus. So today, Peter addresses the confusion. And if you'd open your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to spend time verses 12 to 19. But before I do that, I'm going to pray. Father, once again, this is not a formal prayer. It's a prayer asking you to teach us, convict us, encourage us, empower us, blow the fog away, God, so that we can see you so clearly, so that we can make choices so simply. Because life gets complicated. Father, I think of all the different churches around us, all in up and down these streets, who are teaching your word today. We pray that you would bring great power and authority. We pray, Father, that, that your church, not only this church, but your church would be strengthened and empowered and sent out, that there would be a wave of Christians who represent you well in all things. Pray this in your name. Amen. You know, things can get pretty difficult depending on the jersey that you wear. Now back just a few years ago, if you'd go to Comiskey Park, or then you'd go to the guaranteed best rate in the whole world park, or whatever they're calling it today, I'm a little confused. Um, the fans at Sox Park always didn't treat outsiders well, shall we say. And you would take your life into your own hands if you wore a different Jersey into that park. Now again, people are much more loving now and you don't have to worry about that. All right? But it often would be the same if, again, certain teams don't bring up a little bit of angst, but, but Bears, Packers. You know, I, I've gone 
to Lambeau Field wearing Bears paraphernalia. And actually, I wasn't beat up. Uh, They were kind of kind to me. But I know in Chicago, for some reason, if you wear a Packers jersey and you go to Soldier's Field, it is not a good thing. It just isn't. I'm not saying you take your life in your hands, but I'd make sure that you bring some very large bodyguards with you. (laughs) High schools. Some of you know I went to Taft High School, and I know that we have one other Taft alumni in this congregation, but I promise that she didn't have to stand or do anything like that. But you know, in the city... There were times you'd wear your Letterman jacket. Or you'd carry your Taft Eagle bag. And back then, again, whenever you went to a different school for competition, you normally did public transportation. So you'd always get on the buses or you'd get on the trains or whatever you needed to do to go to the different schools. But as you started to get into Schur's neighborhood. Schur's is like a prison, folks. Sorry if you went to Schur's. But it it just is like, whoa, and and they're very, um, shall I say, protective of their honor. And you'd go to Lane Tech, oh my word, you know, or Dunbar, or Farragut, or Austin. And there were certain places that I certainly would not wear anything that, well, pertained to Taft High School. It just wasn't a good thing. You know, as you kind of travel through the city, too, and you become a little bit more streetwise, you understand that there are certain gangs, and there are certain symbols, and there are certain ways that you wear your hats, and you don't wear your hats, and there are certain neighborhoods that perhaps you don't want to go in, because if you say something wrong or do something wrong, it could mean your life. The military... Isn't the military hilarious? Sorry. I do know. You know, if you're a Navy guy, oh my word, don't, don't get together with an Army guy, you know. Or if you want to go into special forces, this is absolutely hilarious, okay? Rangers versus SEALs. Now, I know that there's a certain bent sitting in the second row right there. And, and the truth is, you talk to Jerry and... Yeah, oh, they are on the same team, but Rangers, come on. Let's not even put seals in the same sentence, you know, that type of thing. But the military now, when they wear the flag, and they go into different countries, oftentimes they're putting their life in danger at that moment. And, and it's odd Over the years, different people respond to different things, but depending on what you wear would depend on how dangerous the situation would be. We're talking today about wearing the jersey of Jesus, wearing the jersey of the cross, and living our lives. Today, Peter's going to address the fiery trials that result because of your obedience to the cross. Now, let me try to at least clarify this. I am actually not talking about every trial, every hardship that anyone goes through. I'm not. 
I know that there's sickness and there's accidents and there's natural disasters. And, and God gives us strength and perspective to go through those hard times. But literally today, Paul is addressing the hard times, the fiery trials that people will go through because they name the name of Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Now, back in 1 Peter 1, we talked about all kinds of trials. That was about 12 weeks ago. All right. But today, Peter is really just focusing on, hey, what kind of hard times are you going to experience because you are just a Christian? The Scripture says you will suffer fiery trials for being a Christ follower. Now, actually, that should... Get your attention. Fiery trials? Like really hard trials? Like trials like, whoa, this sounds really scary. But let's look what Peter says. First Peter chapter 4, starting in verses 12 and 13. Dear friends, Peter writes, again near the end of his letter, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have a wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to the world. Peter says this, you are going to experience fiery trials. So when this happens, the first thing I want you to remember, do not be surprised. You act as if suffering is strange. Actually, you should be suffering and it should be a very normal thing if you're listening to Jesus. Suffering just simply means this, that you or your possessions are not the focus of your life. Our culture and our world will look at us and see us as odd or different or missing out. You see, Jesus ushered in a new kingdom and shattered all the understanding of living underneath God's reign and rule. Jesus literally suffered because he listened perfectly to his Father. Now, as we as believers, people who have come to faith, people who have recognized that they are sinful, recognize that Jesus Christ came to this planet out of his love, he spread his arms, he spilt his blood so that he would make the payment for your sin and my sin so that we could be redeemed and we could enter into God's amazing family. People who are part of God's family and listening to God, as we walk with God, as we listen to his voice, we begin to live more and more like Jesus lived or respond to people more and more the way Jesus responded. We're partners with Jesus. We are aligned with Jesus. So let me just say this, we will suffer like Jesus. Now, bear with me, 
Because as I continue to talk like this, you're going, Rick, there's just like a disconnect. I'm just not suffering like Jesus right now. Bear with me. Hang in there. Remember Jesus said this, one of the last meetings he had with his disciples in John 15, verse 20, he said this, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would have listened to you. Paul writes in the last letter that he ever wrote to his buddy Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. He said, yes. And everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. This will happen. If you love and listen to Jesus, it will happen. Many of you know that that Jesus often told stories. He would share a principle and and he would tell a parable and, and people would sometimes get it a little better. But Jesus was very clear. He said, you must count the cost if you're gonna follow me. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to listen to me, if you are going to call me your leader, you will go through fiery trials. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn over to Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells this story. If not, I'll just read it. Starting in verse 25. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your mother and your father, your wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot even be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin a construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's a person who started that building and can't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors and to discuss whether an army of 10,000 could defeat the army of 20,000 marching against them? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss the terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. These are unbelievable words. Jesus is saying, you have to count the cost if you want to be a follower. He says, first of all, you must love God first, even above family. You know what's so wonderful about this church is that there are a whole lot of families here. And you care a whole lot about your families. But Jesus is kind of raising the bar and saying, yes, you need to love your wife. Yes, you need to care for your kids. Yes, you... But above that, the most important thing is to love God. Because actually, loving your family is going to flow from that. He says, you must pick up your cross. You must count on suffering. You must embrace suffering. And you might even suffer to death. Oh, well, well, Rick, in the United States, we don't have to worry about that. Well, maybe. 
But there certainly are places in this world, if you wear the banner of Jesus, it could mean your life. Period. You must follow. I think that's one of the hardest things anywhere, but especially here in the United States. I'm going to let go of control, God. I mean, I have to, like, walk behind you at your pace. God, you know, pick it up a little bit. Things are a little slow. God, what is your problem? This following thing is okay until you disagree with God. But God says, you want to be my disciple? You want to be a follower? You need to follow. Whoa, follow, follow. So rejoice. Obedience is always the right road, and it will bring great joy at the end. Always Peter puts these little tidbits about what the end's going to look like. And when the end happens, and we get to rejoice, and Jesus is crowned King of kings and God of God. We're going to be there, and we're going to be in the winning team. Then Peter writes in verse 14 and 15 of 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, it's almost ridiculous what he says. So be happy when you are insulted for being a Christian, for then the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. What Peter is saying this, be happy. You are blessed when you are insulted for being a Christian. Now again, the word happy or the word blessed, it's, it's translated all different ways. But the idea is this. Count it a privilege when you are being insulted. Blessed because you enter into some of Christ's sufferings. You know, when we have communion or we think of all that Christ did for us. If you remember back in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He goes, my aim, Paul says, is to know him, to get to know him intimately, to be able to understand who God is. That is my aim, my goal, to experience the power of his resurrection. We're saying amen. Let's do that. We want to know Jesus. We want to experience power. This is unbelievable. And then we skip the next line. We skip it. We want to Share in his sufferings. Share in his sufferings. What does that mean? Come on. It means suffer like he did. I want to, Paul says, know him, experience power. Whoa! I want to suffer like Jesus. Well, Paul, you're a little sadistic. He must have slept there. There must be a different Greek meaning for this word. No. He really is saying this. He realized that suffering, listening to God, doing what God says, brings an unbelievable dependence upon God. But the really cool thing is, blessed when you're being insulted because of this. This is what Paul knew. And this is what Peter understood. And this is what Peter's trying to get over to each one of us. Because God's 
Spirit rests on you. In fact, the same term is used in Isaiah chapter 11, talking about the Messiah. What he's really saying is this, is that when you can be blessed, you can be happy when you're insulted, because you're going to feel God's presence like you've never felt it before. You're never going to feel God's activity in your life when things are going well. You sort of do. And some preachers even preach that God is blessing you when things go well. But that's really not what the Bible has to say. What Paul recognized and Peter recognizes over and over again, hard times allow you to have God's presence so very, very active in your life. We have this little plaque in our living room, and it says this, for this we need Jesus. And I'm reminded often, it's never the easy days that I need Jesus, which is kind of sad. It's the hard days. It's the days when I don't understand. It's the days when I'm discouraged. But let's look a little practically. Christians are being insulted today, even ridiculed, for their view on the Bible. You mean to tell me that that is really your authority? That thing was written thousands of years ago. Come on, things are different. Uh, Things are different, but God is not different. So if you have an allegiance to God's word and believe it's his authoritative word to each one of us and you obey it, you will be insulted. You will be suffering. What about marriage and divorce? You, if you are following God's plans, you will be insulted. You will suffer. God has a plan. It's one man. It's one woman for life. It is. There are reasons for divorce. There are reasons for other scenarios. And and the scriptures give us that. But you will be insulted at work, at the ball field, or whatever, if you start discussing what God's perspective is. Because the culture is very different. What about sexuality? All kinds of news. All kinds of scenarios. It's not just about bathrooms, folks. Just isn't. What does God have to say? The value of life. When can it be terminated? When can it be extended? Whose authority? Entertainment. What entertains? I got to say this. It's really important that we understand what Jesus did here. Remember Jesus' reputation He is a man who hung out with the publicans 
the sinners, and the prostitutes. <laughs> really? That just blows my argument to Jesus. I, I'm just letting you know. You know, like, are you serious, Jesus? Like, that's your buddies. You know, that's who you hang out with. And that was his reputation. And yet he was the holy son of God. He knew how to love the offender and not love the offense. You know what's kind of hard in our culture? Is as we as Christians are, well, we have a bad reputation and we suffer, but not sometimes because we're godly and loving. We sometimes suffer because we're jerks. Really? We don't know how to protest lovingly. We don't know how to stand up for what God says, caring. We don't. And we think again that we're being maligned and hurt and discouraged because we're standing up for what Jesus says. Maybe, but maybe you're just being a jerk. And I'd probably get mad at you too. And I don't know what's always right and what's always wrong. I know, really, that we probably all need to grow in our, which was just a few messages back, loving everybody always. How how do we do that? How do we honestly love those who are running from God and just not love what they do? It's got to be a constant prayer. Because I want people to know they're loved more than they're judged. Actually, that's God's job. It really is. Now, if a believer is living a certain way, whoa, that's a whole different story. And that's a different message. And I already talked too long at times. So we'll switch that one. But... Practically, let's look at this. When culture and God's word differs, we need to choose God. When culture's values and God's values differ, we need to choose God. Now I know when I grew up, um, there were things called taboos. And my dad, he knew exactly what his son could do and what his son couldn't do. And there was this long list of things that made somebody godly. And I love my dad. You know it. I respect him in an amazing way. But I don't think I was more godly if I played Rook or Rummy. I just don't. But I do know this. I do know this. Is that what does our culture say today? And how do we hear God, reflect God well, love others, and encourage them to see our God who died for them so they might experience life and get released from the shackles of sin and pain and crudeness? You see, choosing God, choosing to obey God will bring insults. 
But he does say this. Don't be happy if you're suffering because of your lack of love, your rebellion, or your stupidity. Don't do that. Hey, if you're a murderer, you know, you deserve whatever happens. Let's look at 1 Peter 4, 16. This is going to get better, hopefully. (laughs) 16. But it is no shame to suffer for being Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. You know what? Praise God, thank God for being part of God's family. There is no shame for suffering for being a Christ follower, Peter said. It is a privilege of being God's family, and it is the winning team. Then he goes into a little bit of a harder section in verses 17 and 18 and says this, For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to the godless sinners? If I could put this as simply as possible, I would say this. If the righteous experience this hardship, go through fiery trials because of their salvation, what do you think will eventually happen to the godless. A terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. Revelation chapter 20 verses 19 and 20. What a hard part of scripture. And whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. Now, in some ways, that gives you comfort that all the people who are insulting you and persecuting you will get their just desserts. But in the other way, it doesn't break your heart that they don't know Jesus and that they're going to spend eternity without him. I think God begins to change our perspective against our enemies. That's the only way Jesus could have said on the cross, Father, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Are you kidding? He was mutilated. Didn't even look like a human being. But what comes out of his mouth, Lord, forgive him. The only way that happens is an amazing amount of love for those who are hurting him. Now I think that kind of love happens as we spend time with our God. So Peter wraps this whole thing up in verse 19. This is a verse worthy to memorize. This is a verse that shouts. Look at verse 19. So, Peter says, if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God. Remember, you can suffer in a manner that doesn't please God. But if you're doing well here, keep on doing what is right. And trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. So, if you are experiencing fiery trials because you are wearing the Jesus jersey, keep obeying Jesus. It's okay. People are not going to understand. And how you literally respond to those who are insulting you or hurting you or discouraging you might draw these very people to the arms of Jesus. 
Wouldn't that be cool? They came out to hate you. They came out to make fun of you. They came out to think that you are making ridiculous choices. And by the way you care for them back, they go, I want that. I want that. That would be cool. And then he says, trust God. He never fails. Trust God. His whole letter is about raising the rung of belief in our amazing God. God is our judge. God is our good, good father. God is the one that knows what's best for us. God is the one who's going to supply all the strength and the wisdom we need. Put your faith in God. There is nothing better that you can do. We suffer according to God's will. We don't like to hear that, but God does allow that. The readers here are encouraged to see God's good purpose behind their difficulties, enabling them to grow stronger in their faith and to give more glory to our God. God never says, oops. Isn't it like the worst thing a dentist can say? Oh. Ooh, I didn't mean that to happen. <laughs> and you're going, oh, no, 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 no. God doesn't do that. God doesn't wake up. Well, he doesn't wake up. But, but if he were to wake up, he doesn't go, oh, no, I didn't see that one coming. Oh, this is new. Whoa, oh, I better get up earlier now. I better work harder on this one. He doesn't do that. God has a certain curriculum. Our natural response all the time to pain is to resist it. And in our lives, it's to resist it. So focus on God, not on circumstances. Rest in Him. Entrust your life to Him. Listen to God and let the chips fall. Let God be God. You know, 10th Avenue North has an amazing song, and I'd like to play the video for you. As I walk this great unknown, questions come and questions go. Was there purpose for the pain? Did I cry these tears in vain? I don't want to live in fear I want to trust that you are near Trust your grace can be seen In both triumph and tragedy I have this Sometimes my faith feels thin Like the night will never end Will you catch every tear Or will you just leave me here I have this hope 
my soul In the flood or the fire You are with me I have this You know, I was listening to news radio, and uh, they, they had this uh, study that just came out, and they were talking about kids lying. And I guess some study that uh, I couldn't tell where it came from, but I'm sure because it's on the radio, it's absolutely true. Um, but, but they said this, they said, hey, if you have a young person, uh, a child in your home that has trouble with lying, don't, don't be too concerned about it. The reason is that they'll probably learn over time that that is not a good way to go. And, and, and they went through this. But what caught my attention was this. They're saying eventually they'll learn what was right. Not, not how they would learn or whatever, but they said this to the parents. They said, but we do want to say this to parents. That parents have a tendency to model exactly how to tell lies well. It's like when you give an excuse over the phone why you're not going to a family gathering and why you're not going to work that day and why you and the list went on and all of a sudden it said, you know what? Maybe our kids are learning how to lie well because they're watching their parents. Now this isn't to be mean to our parents, but I think this, What would it look like in our households if our faith in the Almighty God was so amazingly strong that it didn't even matter what kind of hardship you were going through, but you were an unbelievable follower of God and you suffered and hurt and you were being maligned. And you could sit at the supper table and be able to share with your kids the privilege of Suffering in Jesus' name. And they see that. And they hear that. And they recognize. And they see how unfair it is. But that your faith is unbelievable. I normally don't give you an assignment, but today I'm going to give you an assignment. I'd love for you to spend time in Psalm 31 next week. Maybe once a day. It's about 34 verses, I think, or 24, or there's verses in there. Um, Psalm 31. And let those words just kind of reign over you as the psalmist pours out his heart. But as I close today, and as we continue just kind of focusing on God, I want to ask a hard question here. And this is the question. Are you experiencing fiery trials because of the jersey you wear? Now, if the answer is yes, I think this message would encourage you. I think you'll be strengthened. You will leave here with a little bit more 
bouncing your step. But if the answer is no, I am not experiencing fiery trials. I'm not even experiencing trials. I think you have to ask yourself why. That's all. Why? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for strengthening us. Thank you for letting us suffer in the name of Jesus. For so many reasons, for so many situations, we are grateful. Lord, if any of us had to choose a path, not one of us would choose a path of pain. We all love to be loved. We all like to be liked. We all like smooth trails. We all love things that go well. We love faithful paychecks. We love our family loving each other and and being faithful to one another. We don't like any sicknesses in our lives, God. These are all things, but some of those we don't have control over, God. Maybe even easier to accept. But God, when we obey you and we listen to you, there are people that are not going to understand that. And we pray for courage to see you so clearly and your presence and experience your presence so powerfully. In Jesus' name, amen.